Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. everybody welcome back to podside uh this is pete if you don't know that i question why you're butting in at like the 108th episode but whatever um i'm here with carlo you should also be familiar with that how's it going carlo it's going well good good and we have a special guest today uh scott jones who is the author of stonefish that we're going to be talking today uh, about Wow, I stopped that sentence too early. How's it going, Scott? I'm doing really well. How are you? Oh, uh, well, I'm, I'm very professional. That's how I'm <laughs> <doing>. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, uh, I, I did want to add Locust, locust list, uh, Listed uh, Novel Stonefish. Scott right. R. Jones. Yes, that was, um, a, that, was a, that was a pleasant surprise to find that on the first novel category <laughs> for the Locust Awards. But yeah, that happened. That was a thing that happened with Stonefish. It, it, it certainly did. Well, I, I'd like to do a, a peek behind the curtain thing here because Carlo and I had a conversation a week ago that I completely misunderstood. Uh, which led me to believe that uh, it was just going to be me and him. So uh, I did a little. <laughs> okay. I did a little research on your background, um, just so that w- we could speak about you intelligently. And it it led me to a couple of questions. And the first one is: you have a relationship to the Cthulian mythos in your work that I find fascinating <laughs> yes that's the, that's the general reaction to to my my hot take on all things lovecraftian uh yeah no i uh I, were you aware of uh, when the stars are right towards an authentic relay in spirituality well that, i haven't that's really how all of this got started <laughs> <laughs> well uh can I just sort of blindly prompt you there? Could you talk a little bit Absolutely. about that nonfiction work? Sure. It was it was inspired. It's uh, it was really inspired by. Uh, it started as a joke, you know, because I don't know how familiar you are with all things Lovecraft, but the the trope of the uh, uh, the insane cultist, right? The uh, the the individual who's been you know manipulated by. Uh, unpleasant entities from beyond time and space to engage in acts of worship and degradation. You know, this is a, this is a pretty, pretty standard and you see it beyond Lovecraft as well. You see the, the whole idea of the, you know, the insane cultist. And I'm like, well, hold on. People don't do things for no reason. (laughs) And, you know, Lovecraft was, was, was famously just afraid of everything. So, you know, let's uh, let's take a step back here. You know, what actually is is being is it possible, I said to myself, you know, 
laughing as I did it. But then, of course, the more I wrote, the more I'm like, dang, this works. Is it possible to craft or cobble together uh, a spiritual system, you know, basically a religion (laughs) in which in which the you know, in which the, the major the major gods in the pantheon are, in fact, all Lovecraftian horrors. Is there anything that could be beneficial to the human race? You know, uh, by virtue of, uh, you know, reflection on these entities. And so I just started, you know, a little syncretic game where I was like, well, who do we have here? Who do we have in the Pantheon? What can they represent? What can we learn? You know, if we were, if we remove all the, all the, all of Lovecraft's, uh, you know, basically insistence on horror and we approach them as we would approach, say, the Buddhist deities or the Hindu deities, you know, at, at that point, you know, what are we looking at? Uh, so for instance, with Cthulhu, we find that, you know, some of the beneficial aspects of, you know, uh, identification with a Cthulian or Rolean, as I decided to put it, so as to, you know, remove it from Lovecraft a little bit, what's going to happen if we, if we model ourselves after Cthulhu as an entity? You know, and then you get, well, you get patience. You know, you're suddenly a very patient individual. You know, uh, you have the ability to correlate all the contents of your mind. Uh, you, you know, uh, in, in, in such a way that, you know, things start coming together. Uh, your dreaming abilities go right up through the roof, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, I've always had a, uh, I've always had a, uh, interest in world religions and how they function and what we make of them as a species, you know, and why do we do this? <laughs> it's, right. it's, a fa- it's a fairly bizarre uh, activity that we engage in, you know, religion, all things faith-based and spiritual-based, you know, we're making it up as we go along for the most part. So I thought, well, wouldn't it be a mud in the eye of Lovecraft if you could, you know, the, the, the staunch materialist, <laughs> right? The absolute atheist to take his fictional critters, you know, his trans-dimensional monsters, and uh, you know, turn them into uh, turn them into a, a working structure of uh, uh, a working spiritual structure. Yeah, in, well, in, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he was equally horrified by the Virgin Mary. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, why not take a look? Yeah, he was horrified well, by everything. Poor yeah, guy. I mean, I, I guess, I guess, my biggest question here is: if you join the Relayan Temple, <laughs> do you do you fuck? Because. <laughs> I mean, that is one thing that is sorely missing. Like all these, all these cults out, and even in the the, the titular, you know, uh, Call of Cthulhu story, there's this orgiastic cult out there, and no one's having mm. sex. And you're like, mm. I mean, I I get it. Maybe the swamp water is not really conducive to that, but you know, come on. Well, Innsmouth, to be fair, you, you, you can have sex with a fish. It's fairly clear that that's what's happening in Lovecraft. All of his uh, unholy rites and, uh, oh, what does he call them? Yeah, unholy rites, abominable rites. <laughs> Squamous you know, rituals. If, if, yeah, if, if you haven't had a chance, I recommend uh, checking out my friend Bobby Derry's uh, work 
uh, Sex and the Cthulhu Mythos. It's a wonderful oh. book. And yeah. it's he just basically breaks it all down, every possible, uh, you know, media property that's, you know, even glanced at that aspect of Lovecraft's <laughs> fiction oh, nice. is, is in that book. And, you know, it's, it's fascinating because he, the reason Lovecraft works for me and I think for a lot of people is that despite the fact that here in the, you know, we're in the second decade of the 21st century, he's long past. And yet... He writes a he he actually feared and it comes through. <laughs> it comes through in his fiction, which is ridiculously paranoid and just, you know, full of full of you can taste it as you read it. Yeah. You know, he was actually scared of a lot. And so that's why it's so effective, I think. Even even yeah. at this day and age, even in this day and age, still still Lovecraft is uh you know, he's in the public consciousness. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, and I, I feel like, uh, first off, he was mostly afraid of having sex with Italians, but... Uh, <laughs> well, you're not wrong. In general. In general. But also, uh, it's funny because the part of what's in the zeitgeist right now regarding, you know, like, who owns what and, you know, rights and blah, 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 mm. is the fact that, you know, uh, perhaps uh, hard-headedly, obstinately, uh, he decided not to uh place his sort of his his work under any type of trust or you know like no one's in charge of it it went into public domain it could have been lost but for the uh friends he made along the way that's <laughs> yes. absolutely true you know say what you you know uh, lovecraftian scholars will say many mean things about august derleth but they wouldn't have a job <laughs> if it wasn't for that fella you know, who just, you know, really, really hung on and uh, made sure the Lovecraft stuff stayed, stayed, uh, stayed published and kept being read. So thank you, Augie. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've I, always wondered what it would be like if Disney got a hold of that property. <laughs> oh, they, they just, they just probably should can it or make it like a little Cthulhu, you know, just very cute. Oh God. Yeah. Could you okay. imagine like my little pony, you know, like stars are magic. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. I talk about that in, in when the stars are right, you know, the, Excellent. the, the, the cultural, cultural appropriation of the Lovecraftian, uh, uh, um, material, the plushies and the Kai, the sort of the Kaiju sensibility. Yeah. Right. If you want a very different conception of, of such things, then yeah, I'd recommend checking out my first book. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I am already, I was already sold on it. I just had, you know, time constraints. Um, I just so. hit by, frankly. Um. As, as for your question of like, do we fuck and relay in spirituality? Well, gosh, I'd like to. Uh, there you go. <laughs> we haven't. Fair I enough. haven't really set it up yet as as anything really huge. We have a Facebook group, uh, keeping it real. Yeah, Ministries, which I'm vaguely oh, proud nice. of. And nice. you know, there's there's also a, a a less a less serious keeping it real. Yeah, group. If you want to join in, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's it's been an interesting journey since then. Uh, I'm just I'm just imagining the OK Cupid uh, profiles. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I suppose it's got to happen at some point, you know. That you know, it's uh, at. I I kind of have the I I have the hope that at some point, you know, it'll just take off, and then it'll have nothing to do with me. You, you know, know kind of like, like Christianity. 
Yeah, I mean, this is you know we have we have what we have farmers only. We have you know like uh, whatever whatever the like uh, you know like for every type of identification and subclassification uh, social subclassification we have one. So why not for you know cultists only? You know, absolutely. No star-crossed lovers here. The stars oh. are always right for you. Honestly, you just gave me a great idea for a reality show. It's got you've got two separate cults and you switch two members. Oh, I would hey. watch this. <laughs> yeah, just to see where the the crossover is, eh? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, two, ho- two houses in Sarnath dwelt. <laughs> e- what is it? Each in equal measure, you know. Whatever I forget the the, the opening lines to Romeo and Juliet. So as um, as somebody who walked in, like my introduction to you and your work was just opening this book and reading it to cover to cover. Which side note, I I believe was a good choice. But good. Um, thank you. Oh, dude, I loved it. It was so good. But one of the things that that kind of hit me is well something that's very obvious now that I'm talking to you is that this experimentation with the Cthulhu mythos or at least that vibe to see what you could do with it and that reminded me so much of Jeffrey Thomas mm. like we're friends not 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 <laughs> no shit yeah i love i love jeffrey's work you know, I tried to track him down once, but he can't. He closed his Twitter account, and so I'm like, I, I suppose I could go to Boston and start knocking on doors. <laughs> How about I put you in touch? Because he's oh, all, sure. he, yeah, he's he's a he's a he's a he's a lovely he's a lovely fella, and uh, yeah, no, I love Jeffrey Thomas's work. His his uh, his punk town, his punk town uh, shared world because he has recently shared it. It's, it pretty nice we did a uh, there was a transmissions from punk town that dark regions yes. press put out which was i managed to get a story into that i was very very happy to 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 be chosen for that and uh, this means yeah, i've read your stuff. work oh I, fantastic i'm trying I to recall what i wrote for that one <laughs> trying to recall what i wrote for that one <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean i suppose we could google mid-episode um no I, no I, no i just pulled I, it down off the brag shelf hold on which one did I write? Oh, right, Baphomet Descendant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. That that, that actually that title uh, is reminiscent. It's like Steven Seagal is the Lone Templar. Who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's not only a knight. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Anyway, uh, you were going to say, Pete. Uh, well, I was going to say that I, th- I think I've been indulged long enough at the beginning of this episode, and you should rein us back in. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, my first question is basically, um, you, uh, Scott, you, if I'm remembering correctly, you recently changed your bio on Twitter, which uh, uh, kudos on uh, managing to snag. At pimp my shagoth uh, on twitter.com. It was early days, gentlemen. It was early days. That I is, feel, that I feel is... bad for whoever came in after me. It was like, oh, somebody already <laughs> has it. Yeah, no, that's no, a I good one. I lucked out. It <laughs> is a good one. So, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, in your bio, you had something about being a naturalized sorcerer. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's true. No, I've been, uh, I've been basically a. Uh, oh gosh, for 20 years now, I've been. Uh, 
a, a practicing sorcerer, I guess you could call it in the in the in the original uh, in the original sense. And that sorcery is a you know is a specific uh, practice of consciousness alteration. Okay. I, I, well, I, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you if that was uh, in in D anD D three E or fifth edition sorcerer, but you know, I mean, you, I, you, went, you went sincere on me. I went sincere. I, I, I went sincere. Weirdly enough, I've never played a role play role playing game. Oh wow! I've okay. never D anD D. You know, when I when I basically came on the scene, as like, oh, here's this Lovecraftian author. They're like, oh, where'd you get started? You know, actually reading Lovecraft. <laughs> I, it, it, what is this Call of Cthulhu game you're talking about? What is this? Oh my God! What am I looking at? <laughs> that 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 was my experience coming so in. But. Which do you remember? Which story uh, you, you read first of Lovecraft's? Yeah. Let's see. I'm guessing it's probably going to be the classic. It's going to be the call. You know, it's going to be the Call of Cthulhu. That was the that was the first one I touched down with. Um, you know, it had some interesting resonance. I talk about it in When the Stars Are Right, in that it's like you can. I I think that the human, you know, the human experiment is such that you are going to hit on these commonalities in belief and in you know the structure of your dreams. How you you're gonna you're gonna hit on these commonalities in in your spiritual experience you know just as a human living here uh that's going to happen and then and then you and then you read stuff that verifies it backs it up gives you weird little hints i was like dang reading call of cthulhu i'm like this this uh this resonates why is this resonating and you know and then you know and a, and a lifetime spent exp, you know exploring that resonance you know in fiction and elsewhere but yeah, naturalized sorcerer in that I'm no longer, you know, you can take me out in public. You can introduce, you can introduce me to your parents. That they won't know. I don't wear shirts that display it. <laughs> the, the, the Cthulian uh, uh, insanity is only a trial period. Once you get into the, once the, you get the, into it, yeah, yeah, the deeper mysteries, the, then you you present well. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. you know, it's all it's all about it's all about the. It's all about the masks, you know, the, 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 the various, the various personas that we all cobble together. Part of relay and spirituality, as I see it is, you know, is an, uh, sort of an exploration of how multiple personality disorder could be a lifestyle choice and less a, you know, an actual disorder. I see. You know, I'm sorry. You don't like art. You don't like rap somewhere somewhere in you there's something that does go find that person bring them up <laughs> right bring, bring them up introduce you know introduce yourself get to know them you know incorporate the incorporate their uh incorporate their preferences into your own because they are your own yeah. you know it, you should just have this multiplicity me... of personality that makes it easier to live it makes me think about the relationship between language and insanity because right. the, it's culturally expressed. Um, like, uh, well, I mean, the obvious one is uh, almost all serial killers speaking either English or German. <laughs> but, uh, mm. but you know, like what what we what we call schizophrenia is expressed differently in different cultures because of how they express themselves. And 
I I don't know why I'm talking about this. I just think it's kind of cool that you you drew that line. Mm. Uh, I I also think you've you're in your work like I've read a huge sample, but um one of the things about Lovecraft that people take and just just fucking whiff it every time is they, they they do fear of the unknown and then they don't use enough imagination to create the unknown. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, we're all afraid of the dark. We're all afraid that our feet are going to be bitten off by large fish when we swim. We know you don't need this vast pantheon to do that. But you really did this. Like, um, I started reading this book and you got me, man. I was totally like, oh, okay, the AIs become gods. I see what's happening here. No, no, no. no. I'm completely <laughs> wrong. And I love that, man. You pushed me right off the cliff. I was not expecting that at all. Well, I I did want to say that for me, um, one of the things that really interested me like i was very riveted by the fact that this book definitely you were going for a multi-factor uh acceleration on you know several different in mm. several different directions whereas mm. in general there's a lot of speculative fiction that loves to you know just basically everything else is is more or less our world uh, but there's one thing, maybe one big thing that's different. Right. And this is not that. This no. is this is <laughs> climate catastrophes already it, it's it's already happened and it's ongoing. Yeah. Uh, a we've gone on to internet three or four point oh. <laughs> <laughs> there were AIs. Yeah. Uh, plus uh obviously the 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 cosmic um the cosmic horror of just like being sort of the, the perhaps the, the, the last few generations of people on earth who, you know, are going to probably turn off the lights when things go, you know, finally go dark. Um, then you add like, I'm not sure if I'm reading this correctly, but I, I think you added some, some sort of Gnostic belief systems regarding, you know, like the false creation mm -hmm. and uh, the archons that uh, prevent us from seeing beyond, you know, into the true reality and so on and so forth. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Or am I, am I, am I completely off base here? Oh no, it's, it, it, it was my goal with Stonefish. It's in, 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 in order to write horror. And I think in order to write science fiction, uh, I, I absolutely feel what, what you're saying there in regards to, uh, you know, the one big change. And it's like, I don't know. I've never lived that life. You know, I, you know, I assume my kids are going to like grow into a future that I'm already writing about, you know, to a certain, you know, to a certain level. So mm. they're going into a future that's going to have the climate change is going to have all that. But it's like, when has it ever been just one thing that's changed the world? Never. And when have we ever understood any of it? It's like if I know, <laughs> I know technically sort of how my phone works. You know, <laughs> I know what Wi-Fi is sort of right i could i could describe these to people who don't have them but i would do very poorly in describing it and i certainly couldn't replicate the tech so that's right. where we live and this is true of 
you know, not just science and technology. This is true of our spiritual systems. This is true of our, you know, this is true of our social systems. You know, you were talking about the miracle of language, you know, as it relates to, sorry, I, f- I forget exactly what you mentioned there, but the miracle of language is, is that the half miracle of it is that all we're doing is making monkey mouth sounds. I'm literally sitting here at my computer and just blah, you know, it's if not for the fact that our that our our dictionaries agree, you know, we're both English speaking. Right. Or (laughs) right. Or if we're serial killers in Germany, then we're all speaking German. Right. But I mean, but there it is, is that, you know, we're all based, you know, we're making these little monkey mouth sounds and we've assigned meaning to it. And somehow we've made an entire fucking world out of it. You know, everything yeah. you look at is because we had a word for it. Because somebody cobbled it together out of language and stuff that was lying around. Yeah. And this is the this is the world we have now. And we and we wonder why we wonder why we're not doing so well. Confusing. Confusing <laughs> as hell. So in you know, in extrapolating things forward, I'm like, well, you know, climate change is definitely gonna be be a thing. I actually I live in Victoria, BC, up in Canada, and I actually went to our our university here, UVic, and you know spoke with spoke with the uh, folks doing climate climate science there, and when they get a few drinks in them, and <laughs> and they're uh, and they're less uh, less inclined to uh, uh, to to uh, to give it to you easy. Man, it's it ain't it ain't great. I'm digressing, but basically, yeah, I was looking looking forward into the future and thinking, you know what? We don't understand how it works now, so I can throw anything I want in here. The new net people will just pick it up, you know. Mm-hmm. To you know, vir- virtual reality assisted telepathy with every other human on the planet. Yeah, they'll just pick it up. We'll just be like, this is the next cool thing. It's like fucking TikTok. You know, but as a result, I think we would see, you know, I'm, I'm, ta- I'm talking specifically about my, my fancy, fancy, uh, uh, psychic, uh, internet in the, in, in the book Stonefish, just in case people are getting confused. Um, you know, it's, it's like, no, we would just pick it up. We would just pick it up and start using it and it would do what it's doing now. But I think on perhaps a, a worse scale where we would just sort of swim in this, denatured slurry of our own psychic contents monetized for you know best uh you know uh best profit making by by our lords and corporate masters um that's just the new net (laughs) but yeah i i think uh if you if you're gonna write of write in the future it's it is as you said it's not enough to just make one big change because it's all incremental it's little bits, but I also trust that my readers, when when they read this little bit, will be able to say, "Oh yeah, no, we have that here now." I can see how that would get to that point, and so on. You know, I I, I trust I trust that my readers are intelligent enough to pick it up. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and I feel like the it does have this as I continue to read it it does give you this very alienated feeling where you're saying, as you're saying, you can see sort of like, if I navigate in a certain direction from this point in time to 
you know, X point in the future, I can see where I, where I get there, but it's, it's not, it's like I'm, I'm I'm reading something from like a a completely different planet, which is more (laughs) or less what I think, you know, if, if we're, if we were to be honest with ourselves, the past or the, the, the future are to a certain extent, different planets for us. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the whole thing is recognizable without being comprehensible, which is a neat trick. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think technically that's that's society today. We recognize <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. But I am I am I am not comprehending it. <laughs> so I guess my uh, follow up question to all Ooh. that is. Yeah. So why Sasquatches exactly? I love them so much. <laughs> okay, I do. I do. Um, you know, when when I was a, I was a kid growing up here on the uh, oh, excuse me, let's say goodbye. Oh, to that's that. fine. My apologies. <laughs> um, yeah, I you know I grew up here in the Pacific Northwest, so 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 Sasquatch is your go-to cryptid. And as a kid, you know, as a teenager in junior high, I was you know I was a teenage Sasquatch hunter. You know, I went out into the woods every weekend. You know, with my friends, we'd get high and hunt the Bigfoot. It was, you know, it's it just how we rolled. Um, but then, but then after after a while doing that, with any sort of fringe science, anything weird like this, you know, you, you start to get to the conclusion that's like, wait a minute, what's actually going on here? Because if it was, and I've talked to people who've seen them, you know, I've looked at actual tracks in the dirt. It's an experience you can't, replicate anywhere else it's just so bizarre but so if they are what uh, cryptozoologists claim they are which is a you know an un an as yet un an undiscovered uh an undiscovered primate you know a hominid i mean that's pretty major and yet we can't find the damn thing we're not even picking up bones and we should be able to pick up bones right i mean mm-hmm. because what do animals do when they get sick they, they you know they hole up somewhere and they wait to get better and if they don't get better they die there and that's where you find their bones well you don't usually find them because you know they've hidden it's the same thing with you know, they have great difficulty finding wolverine bones in the wild because they hide so well so you can think okay well yeah they're hiding that's why we're not finding them it's like, but it's been over 150 years. You yeah, know, no we are talking in, yeah, and we are talking in the thousands of residents of Earth who have encountered these hominids all over the planet. It's a thing that happens here. And yet we have no real record or evidence. So I'm like, they're imaginary but they're just real enough to leave tracks when they want to. And so I went, (laughs) so when I started thinking on this, on this level, I'm like, well, this, this makes it, this makes the hunt for the Sasquatch entirely. It's a whole new thing entirely because if it's not actually here, if it's from, you know, if it's, if it's from a, you know, if it's from a lower or a higher level or what have you, and then I started mashing that up with Gnostic theology, which holds that there are archons, uh, basically uh, uh, create, creator-type uh, creator entities, right, who cobble together, you know, a reality. 
and then screw it up for all the residents. You know, uh, there are there, you know, the, some of the one of the main Gnostic, you know, archons is uh, called Yaldabaoth. I believe I'm pronouncing it correctly. And that's mm-hmm. basically, you know, it's the Demiurge. It's the creator yep. god that's a blind idiot, right? And is basically uh, taking over the role for the real, for the real divine source. And I thought, man, what if we got just big feats up there and they are messing with people's minds and showing up whenever they want and leaving whenever they want and leaving as much evidence as they'd like to. But, the, you know, and, and of course, it being... It being 2020, 2019, when I started writing it, uh, the simulation was something I really got concerned with, and yeah, so it was just a huge mashup of all my uh, all my little uh, obsessions. So we have, I'm... yeah, we we have, uh, yeah, we we have we have monstrous Sasquatch gods who only appear as Sasquatch for a few minutes. That's that's one of the things I, I have in Stonefish. Is like the reason you see them as Sasquatch is because whoever sees ones for more than thirty seconds, nobody. <laughs> it's like oh, I caught them and they went off into the bush. If you actually sat and stared at one for longer than thirty seconds, it would begin to show itself to you what it actually was. You're basically our minds being hominid minds try to protect us from what we're seeing by saying, hey, look, it's a it's Harry and the Hendersons. You're okay with that. <laughs> Look at well, him. I... Oh, he's so big and goofy. Look at that smile. Right? And then, but of course, you know, stick with him for any longer than that. And then you're going to start getting a true picture of a uh, true picture of your situation. <laughs> well, and, and I, I found it really fascinating because I, I sort of like, I think I, I laughed out loud. Like I cackled out loud in an empty room, like a madman <laughs> when you had, so you have like these 17 AIs that are sort of like apparently running things for a while. I basically and had them as like celebrity AIs. So yeah, they were definitely big deal persons in the future. Because yeah. we're talking around but, 20, 2070 here as, as yeah. I, I, I didn't put a specific date, specific date for Stonefish, but yeah, around 50 years from now. Yeah. So, and, and the, the thing that I figured out was that they went off and they, in fact, you don't say it, you don't say it as, as such, but they actually correlated the contents of their own minds (laughs) and went out into the greater reality beyond, you know, the, the metaphorical stonefish of this, this one. And, uh, they came back all, well, one of them came back and he's completely insane. Yeah. Yeah, in, in a very in a very Lovecraftian manner. <laughs> yeah, yep. That's uh, I, that's 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 what I did to Rushkoff. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm still waiting for uh, for David Rushkoff, the uh, you know the uh, the philosopher, to realize that I named I named this guy after him. But it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. But yeah, he comes back as little Dougie. He gets uh, you know devastated and ruined in the in the higher in the higher dimension. And and, yeah. and and come just comes back as part of a part of a just a sick and unpleasant plot by the archons to uh, to uh, yeah continue their nefarious ways here basically. Well, <laughs> but don't want to give anything away. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I I do want to point out that the the funnier perhaps 
funny isn't the the correct term here. Exactly. Not funny, <laughs> haha. We can stipulate. Yeah. <laughs> Very odd uh, thing is that uh, also all the archons are basically perverts. Yeah, yeah. I th- I have a two word question I've been dying to ask for a few minutes, and that that is why shit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a basically I'm a naturalist writer, uh, and. It was, you know, it was just, it was just a minor insight I had into the nature of the simulation, you know, and perhaps it has something to do with getting older, and of course my guts aren't working as well as they used to, right? It just seems like, to me, in terms of if you were designing a reality, then I have this thing called that, that I I talk about it a lot of my stories. I'll I'll bring it up every now and again. Uh, you know, the first law of the universe. The first bit, imagine you're, imagine you're putting together a reality. Imagine you're a Sasquatch putting together a reality and you just decide what's going to be the foundational rule. Like we're not talking about, you know, the gravity or the strong anthro, anthro force or what have you. And, you know, none of those basic forces, right? What's the rule? What's this one going to be based on? And I figure... When God sat down, he just said, everybody's going to be hungry because everybody fucking is. Right. And it's awful. And we make this big deal of like, oh, we love to eat. It's so good. It's so nice to make recipes. And, you know, it's so cool to bring all these things together. And, mm, mm, mm. and it's like, that's what they want you to think. They want you to like food. Right. And every time you eat, something else suffers because you ate. And someday something will eat you and you'll suffer. It's this well, constant, you know, it's basically the Buddha's, you know, it's all suffering. It's all well, suffering but, because we all have to, if we want to see tomorrow, you got to eat something today. Well, and, and I would guess that, uh, I believe this is actually, I, I don't think it's said in so many words, but basically, uh, if everyone's hungry and I'm at a, at the, at the, near the top of a food chain, mm. I am literally shitting in someone else's mouth so yeah. that they can eat. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I know it's, I know it's an absolutely grim take and yet it's something that we find ourselves, you know, it's, and I think about what would the unif- what would our reality be if that hadn't been the law? If we got mm. our, if, you know, if, if somehow our energies, our energy was supplied through a different process other than <laughs> consuming another living thing. In order to you know uh, you know uh, uh, incorporate its life energy into yours, and then if you can't use it all, just shit out the rest. Something will find a use for it. Oh my God, it's a horror show, right? <laughs> Our life, you know, it's it is in a way a horror show. What could we do if we no longer had to worry about feeding ourselves and our and our families and our countries, you know, I, our nations every day? It would change everything fundamentally. I think about it all the time. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think that's one of the reasons you end up with somebody like Descartes. It's like people desperately want to separate the mind from the body because the body's fucking gross. It really is. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, yeah, it's... that's the, you know, why, why shit? I think, I think, uh, oh my gosh, it was, uh, it was Clive Barker. I think it, somewhere in the great and secret show where he goes on about it briefly. It must have hit, it must have hit me, but they were talking, you know, two characters are talking about demons. And he's like, well, why are, why are demons always about the shit? 
Because that's the baseline. That's where demons live down there. They live in the shit. You know, they, they, they think in the shit. They make, you know, they make their plans and they decide, you know, what their, you know, what, what their lives are going to be in the shit. So they're always obsessed with shit. I guess in some ways I'm obsessed with shit a little bit. Well, I can admit well, that now to you fellas. <laughs> oh, that's all right. <laughs> And to all and to all our subscribers. But yeah, the Sasquatch are perverts. The Sasquatch are uh, absolutely they're 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 obsessed with their their coprophiliac. They're quite happy to mess with your genes at any opportunity. They build things out of frogs. It's and there's a glee to them, which is like I can do this because I can. You know, it's the old question from Desaad. You know, uh, the the Marquis Desaad. You know, if if you if no one was there to say no, what would you do? Hmm. And that's the Sas- that's the Archons, that's the Sasquatch and Stonefish. Yeah. So, um, have hmm. you have you ever read the Mothman prophecies? I have. Okay, so yeah, yeah. the The question I had here, and I couldn't figure out how to articulate it, but thank God you've read that. Uh, <laughs> it, you'll never hear anyone say that to you again. But <laughs> I, I, I know guess, my circles are pretty weird, sir. Fair enough. <laughs> but, fair enough. Know, maybe for a year, I won't hear it. Go ahead. I I came to the conclusion that it was Sasquatch because you were in an area where people thought they would see Sasquatch. And if 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 they if they went to Japan, they might see Kappa or Yeah. Yeah. Okay, basically, so that's ba- basically any 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 hominid cryptid, right? Will will be will be one of these things. It's kind of like the Matrix, where they just like put on different, different, different clothes, right, to alter alter what they are, right, in order to interact with the humans. So it's the same kind of deal. Yeah, I did. I did love how you did like a little Matrix rap in the middle about. <laughs> I could. Who... I could not when I heard that theory. <laughs> when I heard that theory, it just blew my little mind. I was like, oh man, they probably just missed that scene, but. Maybe not. Maybe it was a plan the whole time. I love film conspiracy. It's the best. Well, we we just we just sort of uh, like obviously I I at the, at the very least the first Matrix movie I find like completely compelling, almost without flaws. I mean it mm-hmm. it, it is really a well put together movie, and it does in fact like revolve on the entire idea of like the, the Gnostic pantheon, right? The, the idea that this isn't like, this is not the true reality that you're seeing. And, uh, I, I, I always go back to that, that monologue that, uh, agent Smith has where he's talking mm-hmm. about, like they had developed the perfect utopia, yeah. but humanity rejected it because it, it they could only filter yeah, it was too good. They could only filter it through suffering. So yeah. they needed to inject enough suffering into the simulation so that human you know, so that humanity would not start waking up from yeah. their harvest pods. Yeah. And it's just sort of like such a weird thing um to to sort of admit and uh and, and I'm going to do a callback. We we did a, a previous episode where we were talking about um those who walk away from Omalas mm. and um uh, 
And there's that that particular line in that short story where it's like, do you believe? Uh, do you believe the, you know, like basically, do you believe the utopia that I've told you? If not, let me tell you this other interesting detail. And <laughs> it's just a horror show after that. And you're like, <laughs> and, and the thing is, it, it the story allows you an out right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to read on. You, you can st- close the book right here. Yeah, walk away. <laughs> <laughs> walk away from walk away from Omelas. <laughs> you know, I I believe there are readers who have, you know, the gumption and wherewithal to actually do that. I'm not one of them. Right. <laughs> if 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 I if I sense that, you know, something something some awful realization is coming. Yeah. You know? right. And I like to be surprised, but sometimes you can feel it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. It's I like, ah, oh, this is this is not gonna go well for me, but and I have to continue yeah. into it. But I think there are some readers who can just say, you know, I'm being advised well here. I'm going to take this <laughs> advice and move on to something else. <laughs> But you know the rest of us, sadly, are uh, carry through the flaws yeah. of our art of our yeah. archon creators, mm-hmm. and we are also perverts who need to watch <laughs> the suffering because somehow it makes things more real for us. And that I think is one of the key, like re- uh, reasonings why it may actually be a simulation. If we're sitting here going, "Ah, oh, it feels real because it hurts," well, that seems like. You know, that seems like just some bad information processing to me, right? Oh, pain is what's is, is what's bringing you into the real? Oh, my God. You know, that's just, that's just incredibly fucked. Uh, I think there's other models. I think there's, you know, there's, way, there's ways that we can be in the world that don't necessarily require us to uh, uh, focus on our suffering to a ridiculous degree to know that it's actually happening. Carlo and I once (laughs) did an episode on uh, uh, Fire in the Sky, which is an Mm. abduction movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like one one of the few that really goes dark in a good way. But Mm -hmm. one of the things we uncovered as we were talking is at one point in our life, we had both had what could be described as a paranormal disorder experience and we both made the decision fuck you if i embrace that it's gonna mess up my life so it didn't happen and we walked away from it (laughs) yeah wise choice fellas yeah you know as 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 someone who's undergone you know more than one and you know (laughs) didn't learn my lesson the first time only sort of learned it the second yeah you can get yourself completely messed up in this in this in this reality Yeah, but it's not. It's it is. I'm glad you made the choice to back off. You know, uh, it's better for you. Yeah, Sorcery well, is a millstone around the neck, is one of my <laughs> old teachers told me. And you know, it's just an extra hassle. You know? <laughs> yeah, if it's, if it's going to work, you got to take it serious. Right? <laughs> that just leads to all kinds of complications in your life. I'm digressing. Well, Go ahead. <laughs> oh no, it's it's just it's the Bluebeard's door thing. You know, it's like there's definitely situations where where you're going to receive a challenge in your life and you can use it to grow or it might fuck you up. And quite frankly, I've had a few things ambush me that were not like that at all. If I Mm. get the choice, I'm good. (laughs) You know what, Pete? I'm going to refuse the call on that hero's journey. (laughs) (laughs) They, they, they hand me a call, I slap that shit down. It's like, Frodo, you take the ring, I'm going to sit here and farm. 
It's like, How oh, who's, who's who's this on the phone? You know, a uh, new phone. Who dis? Cthulhu. <laughs> oh, fuck no. No, 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 no. Goodbye. You know. You know that that <laughs> book oh, or that I guess you call it a novella got me particularly because um, the 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 subpilot's name was Gustav Johansson, oh. and that's a relative of mine. Like, oh, well, obviously not. I, there's a relative of mine with that name. Nice. It's not a tuckerization of your yeah. <laughs> of your uncle or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, people talk about what what hooked uh, them with uh, Lovecraft, and if I'm being honest with myself, seeing a real person's name that I recognize <laughs> in the story did not hurt. <laughs> hey, I married a descendant of Lud- uh, Ludwig Prin, uh, you know, author, author of Divermis uh, Mysteries, you know, the Mysteries of the Worm from Lovecraft. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. She didn't know when I met her. I was like, hey, check it out. Here's your ancestor. <gasps> <laughs> Not really. She's she's far more practical than I, but yeah. <laughs> she also <laughs> refused the call. Yeah. <laughs> Wise people everywhere. Yes, honestly. Uh, so I guess my uh, one of the the last questions I have is probably the the protagonist Dense Dense Secord. Uh, yeah. So he's like he's basically your um, modern uh, version of like a Lovecraftian investigator. Yeah, he's uh, a he's a journalist in the future. The journalism itself is a decayed art. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I I, I was going to say that. Where do we get to the future part? (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. A little too close to home. (laughs) Um, So I guess my question here is that uh, you know, obviously, you're toying with the idea that we still, at this point, even at this late date, we think of uh, journalism as sort of like uh, it has like this objectivity, like a new, right. maybe not a neutrality, but an ob- objectivity. The fifth so, estate. The fifth yeah. estate. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so in this case, because of the neuronet, where you can inject like emotion and like your own feelings. In fact, mm. you are actually, if Dan were to write a story, he is actually sort of flying in the face of sort of journalistic norms where he is injecting his own emotions and, and slant yeah. into the story. So yeah. I, 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 did you, were you thinking about like how people believe things and, or, or fake news or, or what, what exactly were you trying to go for here? Oh, you know, I was, I was definitely, you know, fake news was, de- was definitely on my mind in that, you know, here is, here is news, which is basically, uh, but this could be, and this is why fake news is such an, as an issue now, as I see it, is that by saying, by saying the actual news is fake, Right then then what are you doing you're basically you're basically uh, what's the word i'm looking for you're kind of flattening the board you're flattening the playing field for everybody right you say it's fake here then this can't be any more valid than this over here and this person's perspective and so on and what you end up getting is these journalists who are basically celebrity journalists you know who manage to you know uh tell tell the you know do their reporting and tell their stories in such a way that's instantly picked up and made distinctive from the denatured psychic content slurry of the new net 
right? And that's where that's where Den finds himself. But he also finds himself unable for reasons I won't go into, but he fears once he once he returns from the woods, he fears actually connecting to the rest of the new net for reasons that, that the the book the book makes I hope clear. But yeah, it's the it's a sort of a at the end of the day, it's an end of the world scenario. But we're kind of the humans are already kind of there in it mm-hmm. because they've done this to themselves with the new net. I'm working on a different version of the new net in a different novel now uh the next one that's coming up it's uh it's called she walks into the sea and it's got uh basically a plague of a worldwide uh pandemic of drowning basically if you if you live within 100 kilometers of uh any ocean shoreline chances are good that the sentient ocean (laughs) because i have i have our oceans waking up over a very nice. long, very long process, as long as they've been here, is, you know, sort of akin to Solaris, but not in that basically we have an entity that that uh, that that comes into existence. It's been on its way since the since water arrived on the planet. We're just incidental to this thing's, you know, eventual uh, apotheosis. Uh, yeah, but the new net's in there, too. I, I keep messing with it. Well, it's uh, it's it's a central question. I mean, I don't want it to be a central question, but we live we live where we live, and what will the internet be like is incredibly important because Ooh. that's that's where we're all going to be spending our damn time for the next fifty years. Yeah, I hope I'm really wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair, fair. I'm just thinking I, I, of the worst case scenario. I'd like to spend more time petting dogs and less time sending people moving images. Like that's Absolutely. that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same here. <laughs> good, good times and bad lands these days, folks. Well, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> So Scott, if we had uh, if we had listeners who have money, and I'm I'm guessing we do, and they wanted to buy some of your books, what should they buy, and where should they buy them? Well, you know, I'm not supposed to say Amazon anymore, but I know how people work, and that's just you know <laughs> a, 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 a thing of our times. But if you want to pick up Stonefish, uh, f- uh, for sure you can you can order it into your local indie bookstore i actually prefer that greatly if you've got a favorite you know call them up it's available for order they can bring it in uh you can or you can also make requests of your local library i just learned this in the past couple of months and so i've been really pushing that as well you know library systems are there for a reason you know it's all sales as far as i'm concerned you know (laughs) if a library buys it um but then of course uh word horde uh wordhorde.com i believe that's there let's make sure i'm giving them the right information yeah there it is wordhorde.com so that's uh my publisher's uh my publisher's website and you can pick it up there uh they're they're a great great editor really helped me along so far in in the career such as it is they're great folks and uh yeah they make nice books too, which I loved. <laughs> you you want your debut novel to at least look good, and and it does. Yeah, I think yeah, it does. <laughs> I mean, uh, I I picked up um, the the I recognize the the 
the publishing house because I had picked up uh, Jonathan Langan's uh, The Fisherman. Ah, The Fisherman. Mm, what a story. So you like that one? Right? Isn't it great? I, I loved it. I Honestly, I, I, I devoured it in like a day and a half. So. Nice. Yeah, it's um, it's he's he's uh, he's 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 one of our current masters, as far as I'm concerned, for sure. All right. I I I just have one more question, Carlo, and then then I hand the reins to you, uh, <laughs> Scott. Could we have you back? I've enjoyed talking to you. Absolutely. No, I'd like to talk. Obviously. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Well, well and, you know uh, what? <laughs> we might we might do the one non non-fiction uh interview on here which is uh maybe we could we could have him back for the uh after we we read when the stars are right i would love to talk about that with you guys yep it's (laughs) uh it's got a special place in my heart that'd be really cool what i'd love to do is like get a religious panel together and just prank them by having you come in and go hard at them (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can Excellent. go. I can go. I can go toe to toe. You know, I, 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 I grew up in a wacky cult, so there's absolutely no way I, I, I can't, uh, I can't handle folks like that. It's, a, it's a joy, actually. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Hell yeah! All right. Um, I don't have anything else on my end, uh, Pete. Well, I mean, we, we're, we're at type fifty-five. I mean, that's hard to, that's hard to beat. <laughs> um, I, uh, Scott. Thank you so much for your time. This has been great. Guys, thank you so much for reading Stonefish. I really appreciate uh, that you did and you enjoyed it so much. And I loved coming on your show. Yeah. Yeah. We we loved having you on. And hopefully we'll have you back. Yeah. We'll we'll trick you back. (laughs) Bye, everybody. (laughs) All right. Thanks.